Hi everyone, welcome along to today's podcast from Property Apprentice. I'm Debbie Roberts and with me today we've got Linda Eagleton from my team, Mortgages and Insurance. So you're getting asked quite a few common questions at the moment about things like interest rates and LBRs. We thought it'd be quite a good idea to get Linda in for a bit of an update so she can tell all in sundry at the moment instead of having to do it on one-on-one conversations. Hmm. So should we start about um, interest rates? Like what, what are some of the common questions that you're getting about interest rates yeah. at the moment? Wow, who would have thought the interest rates would be where they are right now? We thought we were hitting the bottom a few months ago, but wow, look at them now. We do think they're going to go down further. So the common uh, thing for New Zealanders have been in the past to fix for two years, but actually right now we're sort of advising a one-year fixed rate. Okay. So you can get a one-year fixed rate right now for as low as 2.65, if that's Kiwi Bank, the other's up around about the 2.7, 2.75. So that's a really, really low rate, maybe a little bit cheaper in the two-year space, but we think interest rates have still got a bit more further to go given what's going on with COVID. So fix a year at the minute is our advice. Okay, and at the moment it doesn't look as if there's much indication that interest rates could rise Not in at the all. next 12 months. Eh? So Not seeing it. Obviously, we haven't got a crystal ball, so we can't sit here and say for definite, but at the moment, no indication at all. In fact, indication that it's going to go further. Reserve Bank's talking about um, negative of OCR rates, mm-hmm. so uh, potentially we're going to go down a bit further. So it's probably good timing to be coming up in a year. So if you're on a fixed rate, don't panic. And yeah. I suppose if you were really low risk, even the five-year rates that are available at the moment are pretty cheap because yeah. there's not that much difference between a one-year rate and a five-year rate. No, you can, you can fix for five years at 2.99. I mean, I remember being excited when you can get a five-year fixed rate for 5%. <laughs> now I remember being terrible. excited when, when, <laughs> when a 12-month rate dropped below seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah today's so, interest rates are mind-boggling. It's yeah. incredible. So interest only for five years, especially for investors. You can lock it in, you're solid, and now is a chance to potentially start paying principal mm. on your mortgage yeah, exactly. um, instead of being on interest only. So if you can do that and still be cash flow positive or close to it. So you're still getting some banks that are doing five-year interest only? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good news. I thought that some of the banks had tightened up on the time frames there because it wasn't yeah. long ago that they were only offering like two years. Or was that that's more more like they might do between three and five years for an investment property. Oh. But if you're securing some of your lending with split banking against your own occupied, that's definitely either not offering interest only on that portion or if it is, it's only for a very short time. Okay. But most banks are open to up to five years interest only for investment property lending. Okay. The main thing for them is as long as they're seeing some sort of debt reduction somewhere and we're proving that to them, they're not just sitting there um, not reducing debt because they have been given a mandate by the Reserve Bank that they want New Zealanders to be reducing debt. And so this is where the toughness of interest only is coming in um, and the mandate that they've got for that. But right now, if you're coming off that interest only, I wouldn't be stressed about it because the end game actually for you is to have as much equity in your properties as you possibly can by the time you retire to maximise the benefit of your investment portfolio. Mm -hmm. So actually now is a really good time to be considering paying principal and interest if you can. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Especially for investors who've been in the game for a while that have always crunched their numbers on like the average of 7% interest, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. interest rates being below 3% means that it's probably easily affordable to put it on principal and interest now instead of just rolling over. Get some of that equity as fast as you can so you can get into your next property. Exactly. That sounds pretty good. Mm. So I understand you're getting lots of questions also about whether or not people should break their current Mm. mortgage Mm. in order to refix at a lower rate. Yeah, so it's quite a complicated calculation for 
whether it's worth breaking or not. So we go to the banks and we get a quote for your break costs and it's always worth looking at. Majority of the time though, what you end up saving for the rest of your fixed term in terms of the interest rate reduction uh, compared to what it's going to cost you. Most of them are coming out at costing a little bit more than what you'll save. Just dollar for dollar in terms of the interest savings. Where there can be savings that come in is that if you go, oh, I'm paying so much a week now or month now on my payments, I'm going to go down an interest rate. Yes, that's going to cost me, but if I keep the payments the same, then that's where you'll get ahead. So there's those sort of calculations to do. Or if you're on interest only and you want to break your mortgage and then go down an interest rate and then start principal and interest, fast forward a year or two, you're going to be better off than you would have been if you'd stayed on that fixed rate. So there's a few things to um, consider there. But if you're just looking at a direct, what it's going to cost you to what interest you're going to save in that time, usually it's not really worth it. And also, with the way the rates are going right now, as soon as you refix, bet your bottom dollar they're going to drop again. (laughs) And so now you're going to be feeling that you're not at the bottom and we all New Zealanders like to be getting the best we can. So actually coming up in a year's time or something like that isn't a bad thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I've certainly looked at it for my mortgages and it's never been worth it. And so is it still the same uh, basic rule that if you're breaking an interest rate and current interest rates are lower than the rate that you're breaking, there's not usually... No, it's the other way around, isn't it? These break fees, if the the current rates are lower. So if you think about it's the bank that's on contract. So the bank has gone to a contract and bought money, whatever they've bought it for, when they've gone into a fixed rate agreement with the customer. So they've gone at that agreement and therefore they calculate it by the difference between how long there is left to go on your mortgage, fixed rate term, and what is the difference for that same period in terms of the interest rate now. So if the interest rate's gone down, now that's not retail rates, it's actually calculated at wholesale rates. So the drop's actually even bigger. It's what they're buying the money for. So if the rates have gone down, then you will pay that fee difference. That's how it's calculated. If it's gone up, they don't give you a refund. No, okay. <laughs> but they don't, they don't charge, charge rate fees? But okay. they won't. So can mm. you just explain the difference between wholesale rate and retail rate? Because yep. we've got a wide range of listeners yes. in our podcast. Wholesale, wholesale rate is what the bank's buying the money for in that, for that set period of time, and retail rate's what they're lending it to you at. So you might go, okay, I'm on 4% now and I'm coming down to 2.99, but the bank might be at 1.5 or 2.5. So the wholesale rate is what the bank's buying the money for right now. And that's what it's compared to generally. Excellent. So um, one of the other things that I know we've been getting lots of questions about, so I'm sure you have as well, is that with the Reserve Bank lifting the restrictions Mm, uh, for the deposits Mm. at the end of June. So it was the the end of March that they Mm. lifted those restrictions. May. No, May. May. No, April probably. It was about a month ago. It was the end of April. It seems like the last month has lasted for a year. Yeah. I did enjoy lockdown. I did enjoy lockdown. I loved every minute of it. But anyway, so when the Reserve Bank lifted the restrictions, and and they lifted the restrictions for at least a 12-month period, so they're going to review that again in a year from now, but... The banks haven't necessarily taken that up, have they? Not at all. So when the the Reserve Bank imposes restrictions, the bank has to play by the rules. Yes. They have to follow those rules. So when the Reserve Bank lifted those restrictions, it became up to the bank as to whether or not they passed that on. And what are you seeing? We've got a a wide range of reaction. So we've got one bank that's gone out and said, yep. So the two rules that have been lifted, just to make that clear and everyone understand because I'm hearing 
quite a few phone calls with people ringing up and going, oh, I don't even need a deposit now. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> that's not the case. The res- restriction was, there's two of them. One is for the easy one, investors. So investors had to have a 30% deposit in their um, rental property purchase. But now the Reserve Bank said that's gone. So the bank's default credit policy prior to restrictions coming on was investing lending was at 20% deposit. Mm-hmm. So we've got one bank that's, um, definitely gone out and said straight away we'll go to 20% for investors. So that's good news. We've now got a couple of lenders in that. We've got one that was always there. And we've got another bank that's sort of teetering on, has just maybe just announced that they're doing 20% deposit, but it's only on very strong applications. So they're going to be quite picky about that. So um, we're looking for very strong servicing for them and they'll do case by case scenarios. So they're sort of in there. All of the other banks have stayed at 30%, all of them, and, and, and no intentions. So first home buyers, the rule was, it was never an issue about could we or couldn't we lend to someone with 10% deposit. We always could. We just didn't have choice of lenders because it depended on where the bank was in terms of the restrictions. So the restriction was how many customers the bank was allowed to lend to with less than 20% deposit. So 20% of their customers could go through every month with 20% deposit, okay, with less than 20%. So first home buyers could be 20% of their customers every month. And is that just first-home buyers or is that anybody, buyers in Anybody with less. So they basically left that sector for first-home buyers. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Less Love than 20% it. deposit. Got it. So now that restriction's gone, per se, by the Reserve Bank. But what's uh, happened is that most of the banks haven't come out and said, oh, yes, no, cool, anyone can come to us now. So they're all being pretty restrictive. And some of that is um, because they only believe the Reserve Bank's lifted for a year, so they don't feel that it's now under the Responsible Lending Code that they should lift. And some of them are a little bit concerned about the property market, um, which we're not seeing issues at all ourselves on the ground level, but um, some of the banks are concerned, so they're not wanting to um, open up that avenue too much. So we've got one bank that's gone right back and said, uh, no, doing any lending over 80% at all. And we've got another bank that's come out and said, yep, um, we'll take on customers with less than 20% deposit. And then everyone's in between. So some are 85% and some are like, yep, no problem, we'll look at it. Okay. So this really hammers home the benefit of working with independent mortgage advisors, doesn't Mm. it? Because you deal with all of the banks and the non-bank lenders Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, if someone is going to be able to get lending, they're going to be able to get lending (laughs) through you. And if they can't get lending through Linda, then they're not going to be able to get lending full stop. Well, you think, but... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mm. So... Uh, something else that we're seeing at the moment is the banks are under quite a bit of pressure mm. time-wise and mm. staff-wise, mm. aren't we? So yeah. what, what sort of effect are you seeing on people making offers, for yeah. example, conditional on finance? So, so two things with the banks at the moment. We've got that they're seeing two months' worth of work coming through in one month. Mm. So everyone was sort of sitting there in the background through the lockdown and now putting their applications in, and now we've got the people that are this month as well. So they've got a massive influx of applications to deal with, so um, amount of work. But in saying that, there's also a lot of customers that are experiencing hardship. And so a lot of the credit team, credit managers are dealing with hardship applications and really having to take their time. So when we go into a bank, it's it's very slow right now. And if, if the application is needing to be assessed by a credit manager, then it's 
instead of taking an extra day or two, it might be taking an extra five days. So my suggestion is at the moment that if you are looking to go to contract on a property, if you don't have a pre-approval already, then you need a 15-day due diligence or finance course in your agreement, 15 working days to give three weeks. Now, that chances are you won't need to use all of that, but you may need all of that time if you need evaluation on the property. Okay, and it's easier to finish your clause, your, your finance clause earlier, if you can, than it is to pay a lawyer to get it all extended, you know. So, yeah, my suggestion is a 15 working day due diligence. If you've already got a finance approval and we're just getting the property approved, then we'll either can do that before you put the offer in so your offer's looking sexy and doesn't have any conditions or two days max. Okay. Mm. So for stock standard due diligence clauses, if you're pre-approved for lending already, then a 10-day due diligence, 10 working days to complete all of your due diligence mm. is fine. Mm-hmm. If you haven't got a pre-approval in place, ask Increase for 15, 15 days for due diligence to cover the time frame that you might need for lending. Mm. Yeah, it's just so it's easy, like I said, easy to bring it forward and surprise everybody rather than spend money with your lawyer because yes. they're not free to write an email. Yeah. So how easy is it at the moment with banks being under pressure time-wise and staff-wise, how easy is it to get a pre-approval? Yeah, I'm not a big advocate for uh, double-apping applications. So what I mean by that is going into multiple banks at the same time mm-hmm. or two. But at the moment, actually, probably the majority of my applications I'm putting into two because yeah, you're getting a very mixed um, response from the banks as on different applications. So one, we would get a decline from one and an approval from another, just like that. And then in the same way, the other way around the next time. So at the moment, I am, unless I'm really sure, probably double up an application, just so we're not having to spend the time to get back in that queue again. But yeah, I don't advocate for that generally, but um, at the moment, probably tending to do that more than not. You do have a lot more uh, work to do around COVID. So as a customer, be prepared for that. So when you're going in for an application, if you're a PAYE, so you're on wages or salary, then usually it's just your last three pay slips and confirmation of how you were affected through the lockdown, if you were affected or not affected. And if you were affected, how were you affected? Did you go down to 80% income? You know, or were you essential worker and working full time and many, many extra hours? Or what was the case? And then what do you feel your job security is going forward? Now, obviously, if you were saying to me, you're not sure about your job security, we wouldn't be going for an application at that time until you were. So generally it is jobs fine going forward. Now that's normally all the banks are looking for. If needing a little bit more information, they may ask for a letter from your employer. Okay, but generally they're not because they also know employers are under stress. So they're just using an email from the client backed up by your pay slips. If you're self-employed, it's a different story. Normally at this type time of the year, we'd only need your 2019 profit and loss financials. Uh, we now need your 2020 immediately, your 2020 plus projections for 2021. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to allow for. Excellent. Because if COVID had happened maybe in February or January or February, that would have been, then would have been great because 2020, and we were all back working in March and April and away we were going again, then, you know, the financial year would have completed and it would all been evident on your financials. Mm-hmm. Problem is, really kicked in in April, well it did, and so now they need to see how this has affected your business going forward. So cash flow forecasts three-way. I just heard a collective sigh. <laughs> <laughs> 
yes. from all of the self-employed property investors out yeah. there. Yeah. But um, one of the other things that you've talked about recently with us is um, getting loan application ready, you yeah. know, putting your bank accounts onto it. If you want to just quickly summarise. That's no problem. Um, yeah, When you're going for a mortgage, especially your first home, the banks really want to see that you can afford your mortgage payments, not necessarily at the sexy little 2.99 or 3.5, depending on what LVR you are, but at the test rates, which, you know, I'll bleat on about that again, that the banks are currently assessing your lending and your ability to repay a loan at up to 7.2%, mm-hmm. um, which I think is t- wrong, but, you know, that's not me that makes that decision. But so they are looking for you to be able to afford payments up and around, depending on what their test rate is, but probably around that 55 or 6%. And so to do that, it's really about showing what you're paying in rent currently, what you're saving, maybe what you're paying in debt that you're not going to have when you get your mortgage if you're paying that off. And I'll help you with that and coach you around that. But also bank account diet is really important because you'll fill out an application form and you'll declare what you believe your expenses are, power, you know, insurances, petrol, things like that. And then you'll say, I'll spend this much money on food and entertainment. So you think about, oh, my budget normally each week is this. They'll go through your bank statements and they will add up every stop at the petrol station, every wow. stop at the dairy, every so stop at the... actually analysing all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, and I, I saw some recent stats that said that during lockdown... Online gambling showed a massive increase. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to go down. We don't want that on your bank statement. So don't go get cash out thinking, oh, I just won't show them what I spend money on, because when they see a lot of cash withdrawals, they'll then go, oh, is this customer gambling? Okay, declined. Excellent. So, so gambler, just maybe put a pause on that for at least three months. <laughs> yeah, put a pause on it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little bit here and there. Don't worry about lotto and well, as long as it's not excessive. But yeah, oh look, it's part of coaching. Don't be put off by it. Absolutely, it's just part of the preparation. Talk to someone first. You know, let us get you ready so that when you really want to get into it, you're ready. Mm-hmm. Might be completely ready as soon as we meet you, but it might be we need to just go through a few things for a few months. Excellent. Easy. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, good. thanks for that. So, just to wrap up, how do people get in touch with you? Um, Linda at my team. Linda at M I T E A M. Linda with an I. With an I. L I D L I N D A. It's been yeah. a long week. Well, get in touch if you've got any questions at all. Excellent. Yeah. And we've got a, there's a team of mortgage advisors yeah. at my team as well. So, full disclosure, um, Paul and myself are part owners in my team, but we've worked with Linda for a while now. She's got over 30 years' experience as a mortgage advisor. Mm. I know she started as a baby. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> thanks everyone for watching. And for any mortgage advice or insurance advice, feel free to get in touch with the experts at my team. Absolutely. Great. Go out there. Stay safe. See ya. Thanks for watching.